Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Couch GM's podcast. I am your host, George Kerr, along with the two best friends that anyone could ask for, Tyler Snyder. Hey, hey. And Cody Rocap. What is up, everyone? I hope you all are having a great week. Whether you're a weekly subscriber or a first-time listener, first off, thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, uh, you're probably asking yourself, what is the Couch GM's podcast? As George mentioned, we're three best friends who met in college and instantly bonded over the NFL. We talk football every day, compete in multiple fantasy leagues together, pretty much eat, sleep, and breathe NFL. So we decided to record our conversations just for you guys. And if you're wondering what you're going to expect from this podcast, well, I'll tell you. Uh, We're going to have some weekly breakdowns and predictions of every Week 5 matchup. We will have some fantasy advice for you before you set your lineup, some bold predictions for this week, and we're just going to have some fun talking football. And the point of this is we want you guys to get involved. So you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TheCouchGMs. And guys, why don't we jump back and take a look at last week really quick before we move into this week. So let's start off with the weekly picks. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead, Cody. I just said we don't need to look back at these. Um, I took a brutal loss. I don't know if 10 wins is a brutal loss, but I have to give it up to Tyler rocking a 14-1 and one record. That's right. That is right. Unbelievable. Yeah. You know, the fun thing is, after we made our picks last week, I did have one person comment on it asking if I was high when I make my picks. Well, whatever I'm smoking, I need to smoke more of that because that was the best picks week I could have had. Uh, three big upsets I predicted. The only game I got wrong was the Arizona game, which all of us picked. Yeah, and I guess the only bright note is for me, you went from last to first the week before, so hopefully I can go last to first this week. Just a quick look at the overall standings before we move on. Tyler is 24-7 and seven on the year. I am 22-9, and nine, and Cody is 21-10. and 10. So we are all still right there in the season-long race for picks and only averaging five or less wrongs a week. That's some bold competition there. Yes, the competition is very intense, but luckily we don't keep track of who gets their bold predictions right because I don't think, again, I think we went another 0-3 week between all of us with bold <laughs> predictions. Hey, Hopefully the Giants week- only lost by eight and Devontae Freeman had 70 total yards. Like, is that kind of close? No. Yep, definitely not, George. No, win or lose. Definitely not. You lost. And then Tyler with, you know, two teams are going to score 50. Cleveland Browns got to 49. Yeah, come on, Browns. You couldn't get one more point for me. (laughs) And then no one else got even close. But I hope you guys did get to check out Tyler taking an egg to the head for his bet he made on the air last week with the Chiefs and their points total. But I think that's enough talking about week four. Let's get right into week five. And we got some big news. A long time coming. Bill O'Brien gets fired. Finally. Had to be an int- had to be an interesting sit down with the coach and GM there. I mean, he played both roles. But why now, guys? Do you think it's the right time? Should it have been sooner? How do you think the Texans look going forward without Bill O'Brien? I totally think that Bill O'Brien, the GM, got Bill O'Brien, the coach, fired. I know it's hard to take him out of one role and not the other, but I really feel like they should have just taken the GM role away from him and let him focus on coaching. Because, I mean, those trades he made was ridiculous, and they backed it up and said, oh, no, we did approve all these trades, like trading D-Hop for David Johnson and a 
so what was it subway sandwich is that what we came up with <laughs> yeah pretty much a subway italian bmt yeah that that's what it was yeah but um i bill o'brien the gm definitely got bill o'brien the coach fired he might land on his feet elsewhere as a coach but he's not getting that gm job back again i think he should have been he should have at least lost the gm job long before this i don't know if he should have been fired before this but yeah i agree with george completely there his trades have just been ridiculous and honestly i don't know how you can have a team that has the sean watson as your quarterback i don't care what the schedule is who has the sean watson as your quarterback and you're zero and four there's no way that something like that should happen. There's no way that Patrick Mahomes on any roster with any team would be 0-4. I can't see it. Uh, so clearly something wasn't going right there. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, the, the schedules didn't do them any favors, but the team he assembled couldn't get it done. And when it comes down to it, it was the team he assembled as the GM. And it appears that J.J. Watt and uh, the defensive coordinator and a few other guys got into some heated arguments so it seems like he just lost the team, which makes the timing fit. Uh, I know, George, you seem to think that he might land on his feet. I think it might be a while. I think I have to prove his ranks again. He seems like a polarizing coach, in my opinion. And I just don't know if any other team is going to want to hop on board the Bill O'Brien train as early as next year. Well, I mean, you got to remember, he's still part of that Patriots pedigree that everyone in the last 10 years, it seems like, has been trying to follow. I don't know if that's still... Something that's, you know, as popular since the whole Sean McVay changing everything kind of idea that's been going around the last few years. But I still feel like people want a piece of that Patriots pedigree. Well, speaking of that, did you guys see the report that the I can't remember the position in the front office that's still there in Houston has a connection with Josh McDaniels and the one executive in New England. And they're already ties to them bringing back in a new another New England coach seems like they're going to go back from picking the, the same apple from the same tree. We'll see how that turns out. I could totally see that, absolutely. But, you know, speaking of somebody losing their job, Dwayne Haskins was benched, uh, and Kyle Allen was named the starter for the Washington football team this upcoming week. What do you guys think led to Dwayne Haskins being benched, and do you see him getting traded, getting the starting job back, or what's going to happen with Dwayne? I think Dwayne got the the short end of the stick. I mean, the Washington football team wasn't very good when they drafted him. They're still not great. He hasn't even gotten a full season under his belt. He's gone through multiple coaches now. To bench him this early just doesn't seem right. I know Kyle Allen is a Ron Rivera guy. He brought him from Carolina. And technically, they're still right in the thick of things in that NFC lease division. So I can understand the quarterback change. I do think Dwayne Haskins will end up being traded. I hope this time he turns out to be traded to a team that will actually use him, and this isn't another Josh Rosen situation where a guy with talent just gets traded around and never gets a place to actually show off what he can do. I agree. I also think he got the short end of the stick. I was going to say Kyle Allen definitely seems to be Ron Rivera's golden boy, and I think Ownership probably made him start Dwayne Haskins to start the season with the high draft pick that they took him with last year. But I think that Ron Rivera had seemed to always want Kyle Allen to start for him to make a move that quick. Like he was just looking for the excuse for the ownership to like pass it. Oh yeah, sure. Go ahead. I can see that. And you know, with Kyle Allen starting and Alex Smith now being the backup and Haskins being demoted all the way to third string, 
essentially inactive on game days. I do think that's why the rumors of trade possibilities, you know, keep him protected, keep him from not getting injured so his trade value stays as high as it can be for a guy that hasn't looked good. But I do think they're going to try to trade him. And with Kyle Allen now the starter, does that raise values for guys like Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, or are you guys still just not a fan of that offense? I do think that Kyle Allen gives a slight boost to the Washington football team. I mean, he showed some flashes last year on the Panthers, but I don't think he gives a huge boost. I mean, Dwayne Haskins wasn't really getting it done, but Kyle Allen isn't really the flashiest name out there either. I think you might see a little bit more production from Terry McLaurin. I think that usually when a new quarterback steps in, he likes to have that safety net. So he might give some more passes to Logan Thomas. You might see him get a little boost in value. But in all honesty, I don't really think he's going to give Washington a huge boost. And, you know, going back to Dwayne Haskins, you talked about him potentially getting traded. I think that there's a better chance for him to get traded this year than any other year because we're seeing quarterbacks now like Cam Newton getting COVID and we're seeing COVID scares starting to pop up around the league. And I think if a team loses a good quarterback like Cam Newton, and if uh, the disease hits him harder than, or the virus hits him harder than most people, you might need to trade and go get a better quarterback to make sure you're not going to be losing those games. Um, What do you guys, what are your takes on these COVID scares that are going around the league right now? Well, I mean, with COVID going around the leagues, it seems like there's multiple teams all of a sudden getting positive tests. Uh, Tennessee, as we talked about last week, are continuing to get positive tests. It looks like they might even had some illegal practices outside the facility. But for me, the one to watch is the New England Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs. I know Cam Newton got po- or got tested positive, and then they went a few days with no positives, ended up playing their game, and then the day they get back, uh, two Patriots players, including Stephon Gilmore, test positive, and we saw the photos circulating the internet of Gilmore and Patrick Mahomes hugging it out, talking close post game. I think that's the situation the league is watching the most because the Patriots have Stephon Gilmore, who is the reigning defensive player of the year. Patrick Mahomes is the new wonder boy for the NFL. So if that turns into an outbreak, that's the one I have my eyes on the most. Yeah, he's the face of the franchise. He's the face of the NFL. I just want to talk about inconsistencies with how the NFL seems to be handling this. I get the Titans, they had like, what was it, seven or eight positive tests on the first day of testing when it first popped up. Big scare, I get it. But I feel like they shouldn't have let that Patriots and Chiefs game happen when you have somebody that's around as many people as like a Cam Newton or even a backup quarterback who's in the quarterback room with a Patrick Mahomes for the Chiefs just come up and go positive. I just like, they seem to just be like, Oh, it was just one. It's fine. I don't see much of a difference between one or seven. If you're talking about worrying about spreading it to other teams, you never know who that person was in contact with. It only takes one person getting COVID to spread it. And honestly, I believe that the NFL didn't handle COVID this year properly at all. I mean, yeah, they try to put some protocols in place of wearing masks on the sideline, wearing masks in the facilities and things like that to try to keep the spread from going. But at the same time, they didn't put any contingency plans in place in case there was an outbreak. 
I mean, the Titans had an outbreak, and yeah, they were able to reschedule the game for later in the season, mix around some bye weeks, and now we're good. But what if they miss another week? Or what if an outbreak happens on another team later in the season when they've already had their bye week? Then what? There's no contingency plan in place to handle these kinds of situations. You, you make a great point. Like The NFL has taken... You know, they make it seem like they're doing so well. They're doing daily testing. Everyone's wearing proximity wristbands. They can do all the tracking of contact. But you're right. The actual planning of the season this year definitely wasn't fully thought out, which in some ways is sad because they were the league that had the most time to gather information and figure this all out. Hopefully – like the MLB, once this initial outbreak happens, we can move past it and have a successful season. But right now, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a stoppage soon or we're getting weeks 18, 19, and 20 added on, which will just cause all kinds of drama at the end of the season. You know, as a Titans fan, I just got to say that I am embarrassed by the way that they have handled this whole situation. You have an outbreak, and the day after the outbreak, you decide to get together in a group, not wear masks, be in close contact, and have a workout when it's very obvious that you guys are supposed to be isolating and staying away from each other until all the testing is done and until you're allowed back in the facility. I understand that it's hard to go into a game without any practice, without any reps, and try to perform at your best, but that doesn't give them the right to go to a practice field unsanctioned when they're supposed to be isolating and start working together. I'm just... I'm absolutely embarrassed by the way that the Titans have handled the situation and the players and you know, whatever penalties are coming the Titans way, they got to be ready to embrace them. Well, and speaking of penalties, I don't know if you guys saw what pro football talk uh, put out an article today that it's potential historic punishments for the Titans for breaking these protocols. We know we could see our first uh forfeit you know they might have to just forfeit the game against the bills which will be a tough loss because you guys are both currently undefeated and fighting in the afc you know you might lose a top draft pick your first round pick and that will be devastating for your future growth um but honestly until these punishments become harsh enough i don't think it's going to stop players from and teams from trying to take that advantage even when they're not supposed to be i really don't think it's going to stop players from doing anything anyway i mean yeah, you're going to have your players that are smart and say, let's just stay at home, let's just follow the rules, let's uh, keep on track with this. But all the penalties are going to go to the team, not the players. So the players were the ones that came up with the meeting to have on this practice field. 15 of them, they all got together and worked out when they weren't supposed to. Not the coaches. So the team's going to lose draft picks, the team might forfeit, the team might lose a lot of money, but the players aren't going to get penalized nearly as harshly so there's nothing really stopping them from still continuing to do something like that. I mean, you'd hope that they're smart enough not to, but you would have said that coming into this week anyway, and they still did it. I think that the NFL does have to actually you know, crack down on those individual players. I think they said it was about 15 players that held that illegal workout. I don't think they should be allowed in the building or to play for at least a week. You need to suspend them. At least give the Titans players that have been – following the protocol and the team that will still get a penalty, but shouldn't deserve a bigger penalty for a couple of players going rogue, give them a chance to play the bills, even shorthanded, even though it might not go well, give them a chance to get out there and earn their money 
and suspend the players that went rogue on it. Yeah, and the money was the, the key word you just said there. I think if we do end up seeing the Titans have to forfeit, I think that'll include players forfeiting this game check, and I think that's where you'll see the players have to start taking accountability. I think once it comes to players and their money, that's when it, they start speaking to them. You know, some players are set for life. Some players are living paycheck to paycheck in the NFL. So if they start taking away the money, hopefully we'll see an improvement on the way players are reacting. Well, guys, I think we've heard enough about COVID this entire year. So how about we just move right on into this week's games and make our picks for the week? Sounds great to me. Hopefully I don't lose this week. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I'm tired of losing. Uh, There's two teams on bye this week, and I wanted to jump in here just to talk about it's uh, the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions on bye. I just wanted to mention, if Robert Tanyan is on the waiver wire in anybody's fantasy leagues, get him, get him, get him. Absolutely. I love Robert Tanyan. I tried talking him up last podcast, and Cody kind of shot me down. But boy, did he show up this week. Three touchdowns. I believe I said in the short term, Robert Tanyan was the play. In the long term, it was Dalton Schultz. And Robert Tanya might have proved me wrong this week, but I do still think that Jay Sternberger will start to eat into some of his snaps as the year goes on. But the loss of Josiah DeGuara for the Packers makes Robert Tanya look like an even better prospect long-term. But anyways, the games that are happening, uh, we got Thursday night. It might be the first Thursday night game that the matchup isn't a complete sleeper. We got the <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Chicago Bears. Some people were calling it a rematch of Super Bowl 52 because of Tom Brady and Nick Foles. The Buccaneers are three-and-a-half-point favorites. We're all picking Tampa Bay. No one has faith in Foles, I would assume, or Nagy. Any of you think the Bears have a chance to pull off the upset? If anybody was listening to our podcast last week, you heard the three of us bashing Nick Foles and just absolutely downplaying his ability saying that he's just a fluke and that we don't believe he's really as good as the hype and that doesn't change this week especially against Tampa Bay who has shown really good flashes these past few weeks ever since their first week loss against New Orleans they have been absolutely lights out great on offense great on defense I just don't see any way that the Bears can compete this week the Bucks have a couple of injury problems, mostly at wide receiver. They're not going to have Godwin. Evans and Scotty Miller will probably end up leading the charge, but they're banked up as well. And Scotty Miller, another waiver wire pickup you guys should talk about. Um, but even yet, Foles, I have no faith in him. I have no faith in the Bears. Give me the Bucks. Yeah, I'm with you with the Bucks. Um, you mentioned Scotty Miller. Um, he is a waiver wire target, but I don't think he's one that you're – completely reaching for he's not a must add for me if you know if you had a guy that got hurt this week is going to miss some time or you have a lot of buys on receivers like maybe you have Kenny Galladay on receiver then are on buy this week pick up Scotty Miller but I don't think he has to be owned I don't think he's much of a PPR target at all he's not a guy that's going to catch eight to ten balls a game he's kind of touchdown dependent You can start him hoping that he gets that touchdown. He is the guy that Tom Brady likes to try to throw deep to, but he does seem very touchdown dependent to me. Uh, Again, not a guy that I would target heavily, but if you're in a pinch, especially with the Bills game potentially being gone, Titans game, um, especially with that game potentially not happening, 
the two bye weeks between Detroit and Green Bay. If you are in a pinch for a receiver, he's not a bad guy to pick up and start in your flex. And you just mentioned that Bills and Titans game, so we're going to act like it is going to happen on schedule. So that's our first 1 o'clock game on Sunday we're going to talk about. And I don't think it's a surprise, but we're all picking the Bills. For me, it's mainly because even if the Titans do plays, half their team probably won't be there. Um, and I just think the Bills are playing lights out right now. Um, but Tyler, as our resident Titans fan, even with all the players on the COVID list, do you guys see it have a chance against the Buffalo Bills? Well, it was announced earlier today that two players tested positive for COVID. Uh, one of them came down to be Corey Davis. We still don't know who the other player is. Corey Davis has COVID. Adam Humphreys has COVID. A.J. Brown is still dealing with a bone bruise. Right now, the only receivers on the active roster, including practice squad, because a lot of our practice squad receivers got COVID as well, but right now, the only two receivers we have are Khalif Raymond and Nick Westbrook, not names that you are really used to hearing, not household names by any means. Now, with that being said, with all the COVID players we have out, there is still a chance of winning this game just because of one man and one man only, Derrick Henry. We still have Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill is still in there. As long as we still have those two, they, we will always be in a game we still have most of our defense. We're missing Jeffrey Simmons on the defensive line. Other than that, a lot of our play pieces are still there on defense. Um, Adoree Jackson might be back at corner. We might have A.J. Brown back this week at receiver. If he is back with Derrick Henry and Brian Tannehill, this could be a closer game than people expect. I mean, I guess you could make an argument for the Titans a little bit like you just did. But the Bills are one of the class teams of the AFC. I think I would have a hard time picking the Titans, at least confidently, even if they had a full roster without people out for COVID, with injuries, and a full week to practice. you got to think, we're going into Thursday. Their facility is still closed. We don't know when it's going to open. They could end up playing this game with a walkthrough on Saturday, and that's it. I know I had raised that as an issue last week when we were talking about them playing the Steelers, even after it got pushed back to Monday or Tuesday originally. And you can end up with that same situation again now. Yeah, it doesn't look good for the Tennessee Titans this week. Uh, I know, Tyler, you're still going to root for them just as hard when as they play this they game. Play. As long as they play. <laughs> can I uh, take gonna, one second taking... here? Absolutely. I would like to talk to any of the fantasy commissioners out there. Now, we have had a plan in place in our leagues for these last few weeks just in case a game got canceled, we had the scare of the Patriots-Chiefs game getting canceled. We didn't know if the Titans game was going to be postponed or if it was going to play. So if you are a fantasy commissioner out there and you have, let's just say, Titans and Bills this week, potentially playing on Monday, having a plan in place just in case the game doesn't go is a really good way to keep your fantasy owners uh, happy. So the thing that we did is having a thread that you post on saying, I am starting Derrick Henry. I would like my replacement player to be, um, let's just say Joshua Kelly. So with that being said, if you post that before the one o'clock games kick off, if the game does end up getting canceled, 
then whoever you designated as your backup would switch in with that starter. Josh Kelly would be moved into the lineup over Derrick Henry, even if that game already played. That way you can start your guys in these sketchy games with confidence, and it's not going to ruin your fantasy season. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Uh, we implemented it in our leagues, and uh, we did throw in the caveat if you wanted a Thursday night guy, you had to post it before Thursday night. Um, but because, like I mentioned, the first couple of games were pretty big snoozers, we extended our deadline to before the 1 o'clock games on Sunday for when most of your fantasy players are going to play. And some people it worked out for, and some people, you know, the, their substitutes wouldn't have won them the game anyways, but at least they know going in that a virus can't destroy their fantasy week. No one likes seeing zeros posted, and this actually is a good way to prevent it. <laughs> Yeah, 2020 has been rough on all of us having this virus, and one thing that we still have is football and fantasy football as an outlet uh, to still escape from the reality that is this horrible, horrible virus. So nobody wants to have this outlet and then have their season be ruined because a game is canceled on Monday night when it's not expected to be. So having these contingency plans in place keeps the league fun. It's one of the only things we have to look forward to. It's a good way to keep your league going. Yeah, and it's just another way to encourage uh, league, you know, community and social because you're posting threads, people are seeing it, you're having interactions, just another way to help drive social connections during this time. But, you know, there is one team who are, there's multiple teams, but this one team had higher expectations going into the season and they're having a miserable year and that's the Atlanta Falcons. And they take on the Carolina Panthers uh, this week, Carolina is two-point underdogs. It's the first matchup that we're split on. Um, I am going to take the Atlanta Falcons on a bounce-back game, even despite Julio Jones missing practice with a hamstring injury. I still think the team is talented, and I think that they will pull off a victory in their division. I mean, I'm going to admit that I was a little bit wrong about the Carolina Panthers. I thought without CMC, they were going to curl up in a ball, and they were going to lose every game. And until he comes back, they were going to be in that contention for the first overall pick. And Teddy Bridgewater proved me wrong. They have looked like an even more competent team without CMC than they'd have with, which is absolutely insane to me, Think to, you know, even to think. But uh, I think Teddy Bridgewater has really secured himself a longer-term starting quarterback job in the NFL. And... The Falcons' injury situation still concerns me. Julio missed practice again. He only played one half on uh, Monday. I, I'm i going to go with the Panthers here. Yeah, I've gone back and forth in this game quite a few times. I want to say Carolina. I want to say Atlanta. And no matter who I pick, I don't feel good about it. But I'm still going to go with Atlanta here. Uh, they did have some injuries in their secondary this past week, which is going to make it harder for them on defense when they're already the 32nd ranked defense in the NFL. However, again, they have Calvin Ridley. They have Julio Jones. If he plays, we're not sure about that. They do have Matt Ryan, former MVP, and they do have Todd Gurley, who still looks really good. I just can't see a team with that many weapons falling to 0 and 5. Um, unless Dan Quinn is just trying to get fired and we didn't know about it. So I'm going to go with was- Atlanta this week. I was just going to ask you, if Carolina wins and Atlanta drops to 0-5, do any of you think Dan Quinn 
becomes the next Bill O'Brien and gets fired? I don't think so. I think that Dan Quinn at least has enough of a precedent in that system that if he is to get fired, it'll be at the end of the season. I don't think it does them any good to fire him mid-season. I think they'll let him ride it out. Um, I don't expect him to be their coach in 2021. That's my, one of my bold predictions. However, I don't see him getting fired before the end of the season. I could see him getting fired before the end of the season. But, I mean, is it? it's not normal for coaches to be fired four weeks into the season. I feel like we're only talking about coaches that should get fired that aren't named Adam Gase this early just because the Texans went out and did the crazy thing of firing Phil O'Brien after four weeks. You normally see that in the last two, three weeks of the season. This is just way too early for me to think that they would fire him already. Yeah, I'd be in the same boat. I don't think he'd get fired. Um, but, you know, you just mentioned Adam Gase. So I think if you polled us a week ago, everyone would have said been the first coach fired. So let's just talk about his team. And they, uh, they're they hosting the Arizona Cardinals. They are seven-point underdogs. Uh, we didn't learn from our mistake last week, and we are all – taking Arizona once again this week. It came back to bite us last... The last two weeks. The last two weeks. It was almost perfect. Almost perfect picking Arizona last week. They were the only team I got wrong. Uh, But yeah, I am sticking with them this week. I think that the Jets are an absolute joke. I've said it before in the podcast, and I will say it time and time again. Every time we pick a Jets game, I think that they are going to go 0-16 this season. I don't think they win a game. And now we have Sam Darnold out. Joe Flacco named the starter. I've never been a fan of Joe Flacco in his entire career. I'm still not a fan of him now. I got to go with Arizona here. So Joe Flacco is not elite. Le'Veon Bell might be back, but the Jets stink. I'm going with the Cardinals. Adam Gase doesn't even like Le'Veon Bell. I, I was going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell might be back, but Adam Gase might as well not even use him because he doesn't like him. I think Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals have a bounce back game and they need it because they looked so good the first two weeks and have struggled the last two. I think they bounce back, even though it is one of those West Coast teams coming East for a one o'clock start. I just don't think the Jets are good enough to keep up with the Arizona Cardinals. I feel like I need to get you a shirt that says West Coast team don't travel East. I do say it a lot. You You really do. And it's proven me wrong a lot this year. I know I said Seattle with it last year or last week, and they looked good. Um, But I think we'll start to see it as more bad West Coast teams come East, and the Arizona Cardinals are not a bad West Coast team. I think the only way that the Jets can pull this game off is if MetLife Stadium continues to do what it's been doing and just injures all of Arizona's players. If you are an Arizona fan, I would be nervous after seeing all the games played at MetLife and all of the major injuries, soft tissue injuries that people have come down with. I would be nervous if I'm an Arizona fan. Well, not as an Arizona fan, but as a Kyler Murray owner in fantasy, you now have me nervous that I wasn't even thinking about. So I guess thank you, but not really. (laughs) Have a backup plan in case. I'll need to look into that. Um, But let's move on to our next matchup with the Las Vegas Raiders at Kansas City Chiefs. We got a huge spread this week. The Chiefs are 13-point favorites. We all seem to be picking the Chiefs, but does anyone think it's closer than to thir- than 13? I wouldn't say it'd be closer than 13. The Raiders had us all believing, I feel like, after the first two weeks. They were 2-0, and 
they looked good. They had that Monday night football domination pretty much, and they've really come back down to earth. Um, I think this is more of the real Raiders team than what we saw in the first few weeks. Uh, I, the Chiefs are too good. Give me the Chiefs. I need to have a talk with Kansas City here for a second. Producer, play my mood music. Now, last week, I went 14-1 and in the picks. I picked the Eagles when no one expected it. I picked the Browns when no one expected them. And I picked the Vikings when no one expected them. And they were all right. I won in almost all of my fantasy leagues for the first time this season. It was a glorious football weekend. The only thing that I didn't get right was Kansas City. I predicted them to break 40 points. And I had to take an egg to the head over it. Now, this week, they are projected to win by 13. I'm going to go ahead and put my bold prediction on them that they win by 21 points or more. Now, Kansas City, please, I'm asking you, don't let me down again. I, I well, don't I, feel bad for you. That was yeah, I don't even know how to follow that up. Um, I, I guess you're just hoping that you get you know, the fourth quarter Chiefs from last week or week one Chiefs and not the Chiefs that played the Chargers or the first three quarters of last week's game. We get that high explosive offense and it is divisional. So that is quite the bold prediction. Um, but I think you're right. I think Kansas City wins this one pretty easily. And we're, that's why we're all picking them. So if we move on to our next matchup, which is the Los Angeles Rams at the Washington football team. Washington is seven-point underdogs with their new quarterback, Kyle Allen. Yet again, we are all on the same page, picking the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on Kyle Allen possibly pulling off an upset? You know, the Rams played the Giants last week, and they looked – it was a close game. They struggled until Cooper Cup broke it open at the end. Uh, Jalen Ramsey did Jalen Ramsey things, getting in a fight with Golden Tate after the game. So, you know, I'm thinking about not at all picking Washington because the Rams are way too good. You know, you said they look slow. That's probably because they came from West Coast to East Coast. Oh, <laughs> oh, God, here oh we whoa. Go. Here we go. <laughs> and they're doing Man, it again. we're on to something. <laughs> but I'm still not taking them, or I'm still not picking the Redskins for the upset. Whoa, uh, whoa. I don't think... Redskins alarm. We have our first Redskins oh. uh, mention of the podcast. I am proud of you for not saying St. Louis Rams. However, you did drop Redskins right there. It is the Washington football team for all of you listeners. I'm sorry. That is the correct way to say it. The Washington football team. Uh, I think Kyle Allen isn't really that much of an upgrade of Dwayne Haskins. We talked about that earlier, and I think the Rams will get another victory and stay competitive in that tight division agreed agreed we are all on the rams train there so let's go on to a game that we are actually split on and that is the jacksonville jaguars at the bill o'brien list houston texans who do you guys have for this matchup i'm taking houston i think this team will be ready to go they'll have that that new energy for an interim head coach I don't know the statistics off the top of my head, but I feel like interim head coaches, their week one are 
normally successful because the team just fired up for a new voice. Um, I mean, Romeo Cornell, though, is the guy taking over. He's not a new voice. He's 73 years old, oldest coach in NFL history. He's been around forever. Um, but I do think Houston is too good to be 0-5. I think Deshaun Watson wills them to a victory. Uh, I don't like rooting against Minshew Mania because he's fun to watch, but I think Houston gets the victory. Absolutely, Cody. I agree with you there. I'm going to go with Houston as well. I find it kind of funny that you say they're going to have new energy when they have a 73-year-old head coach. Uh, I think he's going to be screaming from his walker. It's going to be awesome. He's going to have him pumped up. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to go with Houston here. I think Deshaun Watson finally gets that win of the season he's been looking for. And the Jaguars, I believe, are just playing for the pick anyway, so I don't see them trying that hard to win this game in the first place. Well, a quick fun fact about Romeo Cornell, you know, this new energy. If you go all the way back to 2011 when the Packers went on that 15-1 and season, their only loss came to the Chiefs, which Romeo Cornell took over as the interim head coach the week before. So, you know, he has that on his resume. I think Houston pulls it out. I had thought about picking the Texans because I do think the interim head coach in his first week thing does have does carry some weight. I, I thought about that. But Romeo Cornell, like you said, is the oldest head coach in NFL history. He did not want to be on the sidelines anymore and actually went up into the booth to start this season. And now he's basically willed back down to the sideline as a, please help save us after we fired our GM and coach. His head coaching record in the NFL is 22-55. and 55. Very bad. That win against the Packers was probably the only win he had as the Chiefs head coach. Yeah, I have to that pick record the Jags. Is still be- that record is still better than the Jags in their entire franchise right there, so it's really not that crazy. <laughs> I'll jump on the mustache train. Give me the Jags. George is jumping on a mustache. <laughs> oh, uh, George, with you taking the Jacksonville Jaguars, does that mean you're off them as, or off Houston as your team that you predicted in our first show as the 0-2 team to make the playoffs? I Yes, I was wrong there. I would not pick Houston now if we asked that same question this week. All righty. So George is no longer on the Houston bandwagon, being different, taking the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's go to George's favorite team who pulled off a big upset last week. The Philadelphia Eagles stay in state and take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Eagles are seven-point underdogs. George, I hate to break it to you, but I'm picking Pittsburgh. They're coming off of an unexpected buy, but they're still coming off a buy. Their defense is very good, and I still don't think the Eagles have any receivers to catch the ball, so give me Pittsburgh in this one. Yeah, I'm going to go with you, Cody. I'm going to pick uh, Pittsburgh in this matchup. I do believe it's a little risky with them coming off the buy, only because it was such an early buy. Big Ben was out all last year. So he was just starting to get into a rhythm this season in the first few weeks, and now he needs to take a week off and come back out and try again. It might throw him off his rhythm, but I still don't think it's going to be enough. I had some Eagles magic in me last week picking them to beat the 49ers, but I don't see it this week. I'm going with Pittsburgh. And I'm sure you'll take some heat from our fans because I know we have quite a few Eagles fans out there that hate when you pick against them. That they do. That they do. I almost went with the Steelers here. Because 
Tyler seems to have the magic key to picking the Eagles. When he picks the Bengals, they tie. When he picks the Eagles, they actually win. But uh, I, I want to take a second to talk about Carson Wentz and kind of ask you guys a question because I am epically confused and have no idea how to explain what's been happening. So last year, Carson Wentz struggles. Everyone gets hurt. And all of a sudden, he steps it up with his 25th string receiver and the cashier from Dippin' Dots. I'm going to keep referring to Greg Ward as that for the rest of the season. Nice. <laughs> and he won key games and they made the playoffs. This year, he starts the season off poor. Everyone gets hurt again, and he steps up and makes 25th string receivers and the cashier from Dippin' Dots look good and wins a key primetime game. I don't get it. I, is it the veterans around him are giving him an issue? Does he have to have his back against the wall to play well? Can you guys explain why this happens? You know, my only thought would be that when Doug Peterson has his full team full power no injuries which isn't very often he puts too much pressure on Carson Wentz and tries to do too many creative things or makes it too sophisticated I don't even know if that's the right word to use but and Carson Wentz is like a gunslinger quarterback you know I'm not going to say he's as good as but he reminds me of Brett Favre you know for every good play you get you're going to get a bad play but when the game is on the line, he has that gamer mentality and he goes out there and balls out. So I just think, you know, Carson Wentz is more comfortable playing quote unquote street ball than he is in a deep offensive system that is well thought out. Just go out there and sling it. I think that's Carson Wentz's mentality. Yeah, I have to agree with Cody here. Um, you know, Carson Wentz, I have said numerous times before that I believe Carson Wentz won't fully succeed until he leaves Philadelphia. He has the pressure of the city. He has the pressure of the fans because of the fact that he wasn't the one to win the Super Bowl. And now everyone expects him to be that guy. Every year he doesn't win the Super Bowl. They're saying, Nick Foles could do it. Why can't you? And, you know, I, I just don't believe he's going to fully succeed until he leaves that city and has that pressure off of him. Uh, at the same time, Carson Wentz is a gamer. He still has the talent. He's trying to do a little too much, but he still has the ability to get things done, win games, and he proved that this week against the 49ers. Now, the 49ers are very banged up. Let's not act like they're playing the 49ers that we saw last season. Um, this is a much different 49ers team with all the injuries. However, it's still a good team, and he still balled out, you know, I think Carson Wentz is going to have a bounce back this season. I just don't believe it's going to be to the level that he had when he first came into the league. I mean, I agree that I'm worried about Carson Wentz with all the pressure around it and whatever, but still a lot of injuries going on on that offense. I think the simplified offense has benefited. I'm going to go bold in two ways for this week. I'm going to pick the Eagles to beat the Steelers, and my bold prediction is the cashier from Dippin' Dots is going to be a top 10 fantasy receiver this week. Steelers give up the seventh most points to wide receivers, and I think this game is going to be close. He's going to have to throw the ball a lot, and there's not many people to catch it. Yeah, I, that, I got to say, bold. it's it's pretty interesting that Carson Wentz was struggling because Nick Foles was still the backup after the Super Bowl, and fans were calling for his head after that game. So you finally get rid of Nick Foles so that pressure is off of him, and then you go out and draft an early quarterback to put that pressure right back on him. 
George, being an Eagles fan, what do you think is the the goal in mind by doing something like that from the general manager? Is it to push Carson Wentz, or is there something else in mind entirely? I think in the back of their mind they're worried about injuries, and then I think because of the type of quarterback Jalen Hurts is, something still has me feeling like they're believing he's Taysom Hill with the Saints Gross. and how they use him as gadget plays. I don't like that idea. I think it throws quarterbacks off a of rhythm, especially with Carson Wentz not having a great rhythm so far. I don't like it, but I feel like that's the most logical explanation. It's the injury risk and the worry about that and the fact that they think you can use him as a gadget player. Those are the only two things I can come up with that really explain why they did it. You know, you, you mentioned Taysom Hill, but the thing about Taysom Hill was he was an undrafted free agent quarterback to Green Bay who then got cut and is now in New Orleans. You know, taking a guy in the second round as a gadget quarterback just doesn't seem like the right move for your team long term, especially a team that has been decimated by injuries in the past, needs offensive line help, needs receiver help. It could have been a lot more well spent than a second round quarterback. And we almost saw it cost them a game just like Taysom Hill because he fumbled a snap. Luckily, the Eagles were able to recover it. But those gadget quarterbacks have to stop in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. If George wants to see his bold prediction of Greg Ward being a top 10 receiver, we're going to need to see that bounce back from Carson Wentz. We're going to need to see that big game. Uh, if they are if they just have Jalen Hurts there to cover the potential of injury, I, I kind of understand it because Carson Wentz does have an injury past. But you also need to be able to trust your starter. Uh, you know, speaking of injuries at quarterback, it came down today that Lamar Jackson actually missed practice, but I hear it's not serious. He should still be able to play this week. Uh, I don't believe his game is in jeopardy. And with that being said, they are facing the Cincinnati Bengals. They are facing them in Baltimore, and they are 13-point favorites. All of us have Baltimore here. Do you guys see Cincinnati even making this a close game? No. I'm, I'm too confident with the Ravens. Joe Burrow. Finally got his first big win last week, but I don't think that seems close to the same level. Yeah, uh, I'm actually going to say I was back and forth on this one, but I think Baltimore is just a significantly better team. But A.J. Green has dominated against the Baltimore Ravens. In his career, at Baltimore, he averages over six catches, 120 yards, and a touchdown. I don't know why he plays so well in Baltimore. Makes you wonder how good A.J. Green would have been as a Raven. Sorry, Bengals fans, if you had to think about that. But So that's my bold prediction for this week. I don't think it will be enough to get the victory, but I think we get a vintage A.J. Green game, and he has over six catches, over 120 yards, and at least one touchdown. So I think the game will be a lot closer than the 13 points that Vegas is giving them. It's wow, a man that just wow. traded for Tyler Boyd. I don't really like that bold prediction, but I like it, and I think it's possible. You know, I, I disagree. I don't think it's possible at all. A.J. Green has really just lost the step this year. He doesn't look like he can really get it going. He's not the A.J. Green of old. We see receivers hit that plateau where one year they're just suddenly not great anymore, and I think A.J. Green has hit that point. I don't see your bold prediction happening, but man, would it be crazy if you predict this right. Hey, that's why we call them bold predictions, and we haven't got one right yet this year, and this is going to be the first one. Book it. <laughs> I like the confidence. 
you know, you have to be confident. And another team that is confident is the San Francisco 49ers. I know they're coming off a tough loss last week, but they're getting their quarterback, Jimmy G, back, and they're hosting the Miami Dolphins. It's the kickoff to our 4 o'clock games. Miami is 8.5-point favorites. We are all picking the 49ers, and I personally don't see a way the Miami Dolphins can win this game. How about you guys? You know, you mentioned that Jimmy G is going to be back this week, but they also might be getting Raheem Mostert back as well. And he has just provided such a spark to that offense this year. I believe he has two 80 plus touchdowns on the year. I might be incorrect there, but you know, with him, with him and Jimmy G back, I just believe that this offense is going to be able to dominate Miami. I don't see any Fitz magic happening this week. I mean, I'm, I still think Miami's going to put up points. I just don't think they're going to put up enough points to be able to beat the 49ers or even make it close. I'm with that as well. I mean, I think people are sleeping on the 49ers now because of all their injuries. I think people were ridiculous for trying to start a quarterback controversy with Nick Mullins and Jimmy G after they destroyed the Giants. The Giants are bad. The Eagles are a much more confident team, and they made Nick Mullins look like it. I said back when we started talking about the 49ers injuries when they first happened in Week 2 that I think the person they'd be missing the most is Jimmy G. I had a conversation with Cody in the middle of the week, and I think we both agreed that Jimmy G isn't like a best quarterback in the league. He's a mid-tier guy, but it shows manager. that he really makes that, conver- that um, team work with him there. Yeah, I, I agree. To some point, I think the competition was closer between Nick Mullins and even if you want to throw C.J. Beathard in after this game, just because of the role of the quarterback in that offense. It is very much a game manager, and we saw Nick Mullins look good until he started throwing picks, and then they brought in C.J. Beathard, and he almost brought them back. Uh, maybe if they would have thrown the ball a little bit farther or got out of bounds a few times, it had been a completely different story last week. Um, but before we move on, you know, we said Raheem Mostart might be back. What does that do for your guys' stock in Jarek McKinnon? I know he was a big pickup right after the Mostart injury. He's been performing well in fantasy. Are you guys still playing him with confidence? Um, has he reverted back to a bench, weekly flex play? What are your thoughts? You know, I'm playing him, but not with confidence. You know, this week, I believe with Raheem Mostert just coming back from an injury, I don't think they're going to throw him right into the fire the way that they we're using him earlier in the year. I believe they're going to limit his touches beyond almost a snap count. Um, I think it'll be more of a 50-50 snap uh, split between the two of them. Jarek McKinnon is still going to be involved. I believe that the 49ers want to use all of their running backs, even when Tevin Coleman comes back um, or when he was there before. I believe they want to use all of their running backs, which is bad for fantasy's sake all around. Nobody likes to hear running back by committee because you know your guy's going to be losing some snaps. I, I still start Jarek McKinnon this week. I start Raheem Mostert this week. I don't start either of them with confidence. If you can try to trade Jarek McKinnon while he is still hot, if you have some managers out there that aren't, don't maybe don't realize that uh, Raheem Mostert has been out or uh, still believe that McKinnon is going to carry over the value that he has these last two weeks, maybe you could try to spin him for a better running back. Uh, it's worth a shot. Um, yeah. What do you think, George? I, I'm with you there. I feel like you might have to start him in some situations, especially with bye weeks coming around. Like you're missing Aaron Jones this week. 
there's a little uncertainty when it comes to Titans bills. So you might have an issue with Derrick Henry or Devin Singletary. Um, so you might have to use him as a flex play, but I agree once um, they get back to it, he's not going to be as good as he was with um, all the injuries that already had occurred. Yeah. And I, I would agree with Tyler, you know, if you can trade McKinnon, you know, maybe it's not even for a running back. Maybe your tight end got hurt or you need an extra receiver. Uh, we, we say it a lot, you know, do what's best for your team. So, you know, maybe a running back or tight end trade doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you have no tight ends and McKinnon is your third or fourth running back, go ahead and make that trade just to make your overall team better. Yeah, absolutely, Cody. And honestly, guys, if you are out there and you are getting some trade requests and you're not sure if you should take them, you're a little on the fence about them, and you need any kind of advice or some insight on those trades, don't be afraid to send them our way. Post them on our social media. You can uh, direct message us. You can just post it on our page in general, and we will answer those questions maybe on the air, maybe on social media, but we will definitely get back to you with those answers. Don't be afraid to come to us with your trade requests. Absolutely. Uh, So let's move on to our next matchup. I think we're calling this one the Battle of the Backups. We have the Denver Broncos at the New England Patriots. Uh, New England doesn't look to have Cam Newton. He looks like he'll still be on the COVID list. I don't know who the Denver quarterback is going to be, if they're finally going to give it to Blake Bortles. But New England are still, despite the quarterback issues, 11.5-point favorites, and we're all still picking New England. And I'm assuming it's Bill Belichick. What is your guys' reasoning? Bill Belichick. Um, the Stefan Gilmore news does scare me a little bit. I mean, defensive, reigning defensive player of the year going down with COVID, not being able to play is going to at least have some kind of effect on that defense. He can take a receiver out of a game, and maybe now that won't happen. The only thing that makes me confident about it is the Broncos don't have Drew Locke. If the Broncos had Drew Locke, I would think about picking them here, but I can't pick against Belichick against a back quarterback, even with his back quarterback. I will tell you that I'm going to put some money on Denver Broncos against the spread. I do not see the New England Patriots without Cam Newton blowing out the Denver Broncos. I understand Denver's injured. I understand they're missing a lot of good pieces, but I still think this is going to be a much closer game. I think that Brett Rippon actually looked really good last week. I mean, he made some poor throws. He made some uh, young quarterback mistakes, but... That's to be expected. For the most part, he actually handled himself really well, especially under pressure. He was willing to get the ball off accurately as he was taking a hit, and that's really impressive to see from a young guy. So I think that Brett Ripon can actually surprise here. I didn't see anything from uh, Stidham or Hoyer that really gets me that excited about either of them. I'm still going to pick New England to win here, but I expect this to be a much, much closer game. You know, I'm going to agree with you on the Brett Rippon uh, standpoint on he didn't look bad last Thursday. And I'm also not going to lie. I forgot his name. So if I stumbled through the intro of this matchup, it's because I couldn't think of the quarterback's name, uh, but two <laughs> quarterbacks names I do remember are Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer. Who do you think gets the start this week? I don't think it's been announced. Hoyer didn't look good and Stidham might've looked worse in that game. Do you think they go back to Hoyer this week? I'm going to say they go with Stidham. I was shocked they didn't after they were trying to talk him up in the offseason before they signed Cam to say he was going to be their starting quarterback, and then they went with Hoyer. 
the only reason I could say that they came up with Hoyer is because he's the veteran in an emergency pinch situation. You want to go with somebody with experience that can go out there and lead your team. Didn't work out. Stidham then was thrown into an unfavorable situation down against the Chiefs without most of the first team reps. I think if they can give him a lot of first team reps this week, they should throw their confidence on him as their young guy who they had boasted as their future starting quarterback before they got Cam. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Jared Stidham came in, and he actually looked electric in the, when he first came into the game. He finally moved the ball. He finally got them on the board with a touchdown. And then he just threw some ugly, ugly picks. So he's kind of a boomer bust kind of guy. And Brian Hoyer seems he's playing a little more uh, close to the vest kind of style of play, more of a game manager style of play. But it was so vanilla, and he wasn't able to get anything done. It's almost like you have, you're choosing between Jameis Winston and Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you want that game manager, or do you want the guy that's going to air it out, but most likely turn the ball over? And Bill Belichick strikes me as the kind of guy that would go with a Brian Hoyer. Um, but I would not be surprised to see Stidham start, especially since he did replace Hoyer in the game last week. Yeah, I'm thinking that they're going to lean Hoyer basically for exactly what you said. I think Belichick will want that more steady guy that he can count on. And Hoyer's been in their system for a few years, multiple stops in New England. I think they'll go with Hoyer. So let's move on to our next game. You know, we're going to call this one the Jason Garrett Revenge Game. As the New York Giants go to Dallas Cowboys, Dallas's defense is beyond awful. The Giants' whole team is probably beyond awful. Giants are not in a half-point underdogs. We're all picking Dallas. Are we just giving up on the Giants this year? <laughs> the Giants' offense has scored 47 points in their games combined this season. The Cleveland Browns scored 49 points against the Cowboys last week. <laughs> um, I think the Giants have to have a offensive breakout at some point, and if you're going to pick a game, it's going to be this one, and they're still probably going to lose because the Cowboys' offense is really good, and that's the only reason they've stayed in games so far. Yeah, I think the Cowboys are going to try to search for a way to lose this game. That seems to be how they play every week. Or they're going to go down big because they love those late-game comebacks. But in all honesty, I just don't see any way that the Giants win this game. I'm picking Dallas. That's all I got to say about this one. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I'm picking Dallas. I do think Danny Dimes. Danny Nichols. Danny Nichols. Danny Pennies at this point. Um, he only has three touchdowns on the season. If I had a second bold prediction, it was that he would throw three touchdowns in this game, but I don't think that'll be enough to upset the Dallas Cowboys. Um, but we can move on to our last four o'clock game. It might be my favorite matchup of the week. If I'm being honest, it's the Indianapolis Colts at the Cleveland Browns. Vegas has the Colts as one and a half point favorites. Uh, I know we're split on who we're taking. You know, Cleveland is just looks really good, and I'm still not sold on the Colts. They didn't look great against the Bears. I don't like Phillip Rivers. I think Cleveland is going to get another victory here, boys. I got to agree with you there, Cody. I'm going with Cleveland. Now, that might be a bias since I'm a Titans fan. I still see the Titans sitting undefeated, so I'm hoping the Colts lose some more games. But at the same time, I really like what I see out of the Browns this year. We've been saying for the last two, three years now that 
the Browns finally got it. They finally got that roster. They finally got the team. They're finally going to do something. And then they never do. They have the pieces. They have the talent on that roster to actually get things done. They have a strong defense, a strong offense. They just, I believe it's been coaching to this point. And this year their coaching has been much better. And I think the Browns are going to pull this one off. Like Cody said, I don't trust the Colts yet. Their running backs haven't looked as good as they did in the very beginning of the season. Their defense is solid, yes, but how solid can you be when you're only facing teams like the Bears and the Jets? Yeah, they look good against those teams. Now they're finally going to get to play a more high-powered offense. I'm really curious to see how the Colts' defense holds up against this one. I'm going Cleveland in this one, guys. I mean, maybe it was coaching that has made the Browns, with all this talent, not do well the last few years. But I was I was back and forth on this game a lot, and there's this weird gut feeling that tells me that the Browns are going to Brown, meaning they're going to look good, they're going to have all this hype, and then they're going to fall apart. I mean, they have Kareem Hunt still, even though they lost Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt, I think, is a top 10 running back in the league. I don't see the running game still being an issue, even without Chubb. But just something tells me that this is too good to be true. I'm sorry, Cleveland. I feel for you. I I cannot imagine going through all the pain that you've gone through in the last, I don't even know how many years it's been. I feel like since I've been watching football. But I just feel like there's something about the football gods that say the Cleveland Browns can't be good. And they're going to, I think they're going to lose to the Colts. I hope you're wrong. I got a quick, yeah, I hope you're wrong, but I got a quick question. Who is a better passer, Jarvis Landry or Baker Mayfield? The Jarvis Landry pass to Odell <laughs> last week was smooth. Looks so interesting coming out you know, of my left hand. As a as babe, a lefty myself, I really appreciated seeing it. You know, we gave gadget quarterbacks a hard time, but Cleveland, if you're going to run a gadget quarterback, Jarvis Landry looks like your guy. You know, Jarvis Landry, Jarvis Landry actually posted on social media. I don't know if you guys saw this, but he said, I threw one pass, but my lat feels like I just pitched nine innings. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe maybe he won't be a good gadget quarterback, Cleveland. Scratch what I just said. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't show up on the injury report with a lat injury. That would be, oh, be, be kind of s- funny. <laughs> no, he's not, fine. Injuries he's fine. are not funny. Injuries are not funny. I did not mean it like that, but you all got it. But anyways, <laughs> let's move on Sunday to Sunday night. night. Game. <laughs> Cody's going to get out of here. That's not going well for me. <laughs> yep. I'm just digging deeper. But anyways, Sunday night, the Seahawks return to the Sunday night stage. This time they're hosting the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings still, they got their first victory, but still don't look great. They're seven point underdogs. We're all picking Seattle in this one. Is it Kirk Cousins, why you're not picking the Vikings, or is Seattle just too good for you guys? Seattle's very good, and there's a million things I could have said to lean myself towards the Seahawks, but I think my all my thoughts have come down to Kirk Cousins in prime time is probably the worst quarterback in NFL history. <laughs> Had to go to the Seahawks. You know, I'm embarrassed I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah he's terrible in prime time. He's a great quarterback otherwise, usually. Not this uh, season, strong not this word, season, everybody. but uh, <laughs> great is a strong word. But he does actually have some big, big games in normal one o'clock time slots. Uh, it's just primetime really is a killer to him. Yeah, I completely forgot. Like I said, I completely forgot about the primetime thing. Give me Seattle. Give me more than seven. You know, I almost feel I'm not bad. On the Vikings. 
I almost feel bad for whoever did the scheduling this year for the NFL because he picked some matchups that were supposed to be really, really good night games, night primetime games. Last week you have 49ers and Eagles. Both of them had promise, and it ends up being the battered Eagles against the Nick Mullins 49ers. And then you got Packers and Falcons with Todd Gurley there now. It's supposed to be a good game, and then the Falcons haven't won a game yet. It's just an onslaught. It's not a good game. And now you have Vikings and Seahawks, two teams that were highly talked about, even Super Bowl contenders in some people's eyes. And now it's going to be a one-sided onslaught again. I feel bad for the scheduler. I'm going Seattle. Hopefully it gets better in the upcoming weeks. Well, then why don't we move on to the other primetime game this week, and that would be the Los Angeles Chargers traveling to the New Orleans Saints. The this is a game we are split on, so I'm gonna go with the Saints here. Um, there's talks about Michael Thomas coming back finally, but I have this weird idea that they're going to pull what the Packers did last week with Devontae Adams and leave him out for another week because the Saints' bye week is next week. Um, Justin Herbert got up really big on the Buccaneers last week and then just disappeared, and I, that worries me, especially without Austin Eckler to go ice a game I I mean I think even if the Chargers get a lead the Saints could come back on them yeah I agree with you on the the Saints for this one you mentioned Michael Thomas and them potentially holding him out you know I think that what the Packers did last week was smart I think the Saints will do the same thing but I will still take the Saints Um, a lot of people don't know this but we had a rough first draft of this podcast that never actually saw the air where we picked the week two games and I was going to pick the New Orleans Saints who all played on Monday night that week to lose but I don't see it this week because the game is in New Orleans the Chargers with Justin Herbert Justin Herbert looks like a star but the Austin Eckler loss is huge so give me the New Orleans Saints well I don't think there's really any home field advantage especially this year I mean there's still some teams that have some fans in the stands but not to a great enough number to really do anything for the team. So I don't think home field advantage is huge for New Orleans. Okay, I picked the Chargers. And to be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure why. Whatever I was smoking last week that made me pick the Eagles over the 49ers, I took a hit of that before we started this, apparently, because I picked the Chargers to have some Monday Night Magic against the New Orleans Saints. I just have this weird gut feeling that the Chargers are going to pull this one off Drew Brees has not looked that great to me. Um, He's looked like he's really on a downswing in his career. He's maybe only got another year or two left in him, in my opinion. And I really like what I see out of Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert looks really good. I know he blew the game late last week, but he was playing the Bucs, and I think we are downplaying the Bucs a lot. I think that offense is really good. They have so many weapons. Tom Brady doesn't need to be at his best. He doesn't need to be in his prime to have a good offense there. The defense is solid. I'm going to go with the Chargers to upset in this one. Hopefully I'm not wrong because, man, I can't take any more punishments from this podcast. i got to win a week finally. I'm, you just won last week. It was a bet that you got wrong. So I'm hoping your pick is wrong because I think that's one of the few ones that you and I actually differed on. But those are all our picks for this week. Uh, we will post them on all our social networks, and we always say it. Please get involved, comment, tell us why your favorite team is going to win when we pick them not to. Uh, but before we wrap up the show, 
we like to have a little debate segment and we're a quarter of the way through the season. So let's not get our early MVPs and who you guys think are going to win the MVP for this season. I'm going to go first because I'm a homer, but he's playing lights out. And the MVP of this year should be Aaron Rodgers. He won it in 2011. He won it in 2014. He's going to win it in 2020. His numbers are better. The Packers are playing incredible despite losing top wide receivers. Their offense is the number one scoring team. They're putting up points. They can beat anybody. They'll be there in the end. Aaron Rodgers, MVP 2020. The only thing right about this year. The only thing right about this year. What do you got to say about that, George? Hmm? I'm going hmm? to give the MVP to who I think is the most improved quarterback in the NFL this season. Give me Josh Allen. I'm going to keep riding the Bills for the Super Bowl here, and I'm going to ride Josh Allen for MVP. So you're riding he, I guess I and you're he, riding Josh Allen. <laughs> <laughs> guess Good my thing, MB- guess my wording here is really really not well. You need to work on it. You need to work well, last, on it. <laughs> and last time I checked, MVP doesn't stand for most improved quarterback. It stands for most valuable player. And while Josh Allen is playing great, he's not as good as Aaron Rodgers is this year. Josh Allen will have one of those games where he fumbles three times or throws three picks. He might even have two or three of them. That'll take him out of the running. It should be Aaron Rodgers all the way. But okay, listen. So you see where this league is going. You mentioned about, oh, Josh Allen will fumble three times. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. If he doesn't, I think he's in a really good spot to win the MVP. But we're talking about the way the league is going, you're going to start seeing more of these mobile quarterbacks that start getting more of the hype in the spotlight. Look, Lamar Jackson won the MVP last year. Josh Allen is more of that dual-threat quarterback that the NFL is turning to, and he's more of that MVP mold that you're going to start seeing in the future than Aaron Rodgers is, as good as Aaron Rodgers is doing this season. See, I disagree with you there, George. I think the MVP voters don't watch the games. I think they watch the media. That's the way it seems anyway. I mean, you talked about Aaron Rodgers winning the MVP, and you talked about Lamar Jackson last year, and you talked about Patrick Mahomes the year before. But those are the most talked about quarterbacks in the NFL. They don't even have to be good for them to win the MVP. They just have to be decent. They are the most talked about guys. It gets in people's ears, and that's why I'm taking Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Wait, 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 wait. You're talking about the MVP voters don't watch the game. They're, they just you know watch the media. And then you're going to go and pick a guy for MVP that has never even received an MVP vote. Well, if you wouldn't have cut me off so rudely, I would have finished my statement and explained why, George. But anyway, yes, he has never received an MVP vote. And you cannot watch a single Seahawks game without hearing that. You cannot turn on NFL Network or any of the SiriusXM channels without hearing that Russell Wilson has never received an MVP vote. That's all they keep talking about. It has been in people's brains since the season started. So now you have Russell Wilson performing well, and everybody's talking about Russell Wilson hasn't got an MVP vote. Russell Wilson hasn't got an MVP vote. All they're hearing is Russell Wilson and MVP, and they see the stats, and that's enough for me. I think they're going to put those things together, and they're finally going to give Russell Wilson what he's deserved for years. Russell Wilson is going to be this year's MVP. Yeah, Unfortunately, I think you do have a point with how much the MVP, and they're talking about Russell never receiving a vote. I think Russell is Rogers' biggest competitor. 
And I think it'll come down between those two at the end of this season. And I, and I also agree with you on no one really talks about Josh Allen. You know, it almost reminds me back when Cam Newton first started and the one ref told him, you're not old enough to get that call. Well, I'm going to say, Josh Allen, you're not old enough to get the MVP. It's coming down to Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers is going to take it home, and the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. Oh, okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves now. Okay, well, I think it's going to it's getting a little heated in here. I think if we keep going, we might make George cry, so we don't want to do that. <laughs> Already am. It's fine. And as George finishes wiping up those tears, I just want to thank you all again for tuning in to this week's episode. We've mentioned it a couple times, but please follow us on social, like our wherever you're listening to this podcast, leave a comment, leave a review, anything that you can do will help us. And just thanks again for listening. Absolutely, guys. You know, there's a little bit of a couch GM in all of us. So please just get involved. Ask us questions. Tell us your picks. Talk some trash if you want. Make this podcast more fun for you and more fun for us by letting your couch GM out and getting involved. This has been the Couch GM's podcast for Tyler Snyder, Cody Roadcap. I am George Kurth, and we'll see you all next Thursday.